Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. I don't know if Claude Phillips has ever had a day where he has not been sharp. I just think he wakes up in his shoes and hair combed and nice shirt that hangs on the outside and just, Claude, do you, have you ever not looked sharp? <laughs> drives a sharp car and just cruises <laughs> I just wonder I think Nelson is the same way I, I just think that he just, just just gets in his car goes to the store and says I got to get dressed up to go to Molly Stone's I just think he's always been that way. <laughs> Today we're going to continue looking at our study in the book of Acts. And I'm going to read verses 19 through 30. I want to thank you all for being here. And again, our condolences to the Geis family and want to bear Cynthia and the family up in prayer. Acts chapter 11, beginning, beginning at verse 19. I'm going to ask you, for those who can, to do something that we normally are not accustomed to doing, I want you to stand doing the reading of the Word of God today. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, which would be Gentiles, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul went with the church. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spear predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. You may be seated. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And let me just say this as we um, go into the word. This coming Wednesday, we have joint Bible study over at Village, so the women will be here praying, and then we're going to go there. The reading, the reading and the game, the, the preparation is the first eight books of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. I'm encouraging you to be there with us. Chapter 1 through 8. Chapters 1 through 8. The first eight chapters. You have today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the next four days to prepare. Meet at 7 o'clock to 8.30. So I'm asking all to join us there on this coming Wednesday. I will be going down to Southern California on Thursday, coming back Saturday for a pastor's conference. Wife and I, so I'm asking for your prayers as we travel 
to L.A. on Thursday, coming back on Saturday. <clears throat> I want to give the title of this message, God is in the business of saving sinners. God is in the business of saving sinners. Acts chapter 11, 19 picks up from Acts chapter 9. After the martyrdom of Stephen, you remember, if you, if you do remember, that Saul was one of those that was standing there when they stoned Stephen, giving consent. And when he went to Damascus, the Lord shined a light upon Saul and changed his life instantly. There was a break right after that, as if we talk, when we talk, like it's as if there is a play and the screen or the curtain closes. And all of a sudden the stage is set and then it opens back up and you're in a different scene. But it's connected. We come now back again to this place where Saul enters the picture. But I want to kind of take you through this scene and what's happening here. And give you some background information and help you to understand what's happening at this time. Peter was the igniter that God used to show that the Gentiles being saved was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. Peter was that igniter. We also mentioned that Peter was that one that was also very, he was prejudiced and God had to show Peter through his prejudice that the mystery of God was that the Gentiles, too, were going to be saved. And the Lord had to help Peter by letting the sheet down from heaven and telling Peter to get up, Peter, kill and eat. All types of reptiles and birds, things that Peter had never eaten and said, no, Lord, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. And we mentioned that God said, don't call anything unclean that the Lord has called clean. And so Peter is that igniter that, that God begins to work through. There are times when the Lord will use a person for one purpose and take them off the scene. Or you don't hear about them again in ministry, but they're, the part that they play is so effective that it bursts into the scene what God is doing. And so what God does in the life of Peter for the Gentiles is something that Paul carries on in a magnificent way. And sometimes when we tend to minimize what God is doing in our lives, we sometimes fail to see that God has a grand picture of what he's doing. And so here at this time, we find Peter being that catalyst, that igniter that God used. And God used his prejudice to show him that I will bless a people whether you agree with it or not. As the focus begins to shift from Peter and John, and from Jerusalem, which now is not going to be the primary focus, at this time, while it's still central, God is doing something to shift now the focus. And the focus of the Christian missionary movement becomes Antioch. Becomes a place and it becomes the base for the apostle Paul. Can you imagine that all of the attention and the ministry all is centered in one place? Now the thrust and the shift changes to a place that had been a pagan place of worship. A place where the Greeks are. A place where the Gentiles are. A place where the Jewish people wouldn't even 
go or they, 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 the Jewish people wouldn't talk to the Gentiles. But this is a place where God is now doing the work. Antioch of Syria gets his name from a wicked person by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. The town of Antioch was built by the son of Antiochus named Silucus. Nicator. Seleucus named the city of Antioch after or in honor of his father. Now, there was a period of time between the Old Testament and the New where we spoke about some time ago where the Bible, where, where we didn't, there was no direct revelation from, from God for over 400 years. But it was a very powerful time in history. Also during this time when Alexander the Great was on the scene. And, 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 and it was prophesied even in the book of Daniel about Alexander the Great coming. And, and, and when you look at Alexander having conquered the known world at that time in his 20s, there's history that says that when there was no more worlds to, to, to conquer, he sat down and cried hmm. because there was no other place for him to conquer. By the age of 26, everything is conquered, and he was dead at the age of 26. And out of his governance or his governor's leaders, out of their four divisions broke off. And one of those were the, Sal the Salucids and the Ptolemies. And the Ptolemies, I believe, actually pronounced the Ptolemies. Ptolemy is pronounced, but they have different variations. And these two groups became two of the major groups that, that were part of the government or out of his leadership, they broke off. And these four governors began to rule. And the Sadducees began, were, were, were a group where Antiochus Epiphanes comes out of. And he does something that was major. He desecrated the temple. He offered a pig on the altar in the temple. When you think about, when you think about a person, when a person wants to do something to, uh, to show their disdain and their hatred and their disregard for something, they try to think of the vilest thing that they could do and can do to show their contempt. There's a fine line where one can be either on the side of God or on the other. There's, a, there's a, oftentimes a fine line. There's, there, there are people today that somehow think that judgment not falling means that God has given approval of what they're doing. Judgment always follows sin. There's no way to dishonor and to, to discredit and to uh, uh, be vulgar with God and not have the consequences. God is always the last one to get what we would say the last laugh, but I don't like just using that, but he's, he's the one that will always have the final say. So all of the kings, all of the individuals that have tried to usurp God's authority and have tried to, to undo or to bring God down have always ended up on the losing end. And these individuals are no exception. But, but it is in this place of Antioch, Syria, where... The name Antioch, as we say, comes from Antiochus's name. His son named that city after him in honor of his father. Where the Lord begins to do a work. 
It was Pompeii in 64 B.C. that conquered the area of Antioch, and it became a place under Roman rule. And so from the time of 64 A.D. to during the time of Jesus and the apostles' life, Rome ruled. It was the third largest city in Palestine. It was a place where only Rome and Alexandria of Egypt were larger. It was a place where pagan worship became huge and where the pagan idolatry of prostitution happening in the temple occurred. Can you imagine pagan prostitution? It is to this place where people went and where those from Cyprus began to go. It is in this place where the gospel spreads, Antioch. You see, God has a way of taking a place that <laughs> has been bent on evil and showing, I will Put my presence there. I will save people and change that place for my glory. God has a way of taking situations where people says there's no hope for that place. And showing now I will show people what I can and will do. It was the disciple Barnabas. Who was not an apostle who came from the island of Cyprus, that's where his hometown was. And he had a great reputation. In fact, Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. You know, there are times when you just need an encouraging word. And there are times when a person just has just the right words just for you. And you sometimes say, you know, I needed that just at this point. That's the type of person that Barnabas was. Son of encouragement. And, and so it was, in fact, Barnabas who actually, when, when Saul had been ostracized by the church and the church was saying, don't let him into your prayer meeting. You might not come out. It was Barnabas who went to him when the disciples had heard that Saul had gotten saved, and they're saying he can't join us. And everybody was closing doors and windows when Saul was coming, even though he's converted this. And no, no, it was Barnabas who went and got him and took him to the apostles. And then when there was a plot that was discovered against Saul, it was the disciples and the apostles that said, Saul, go back to Tarsus. Got to leave town. It is unknown just how long Saul remained in Tarsus, his hometown. But it is to this place that we will see that Saul, that Barnabas goes to get him. It was some believers from his hometown that went to Antioch, Barnabas' hometown, that went to Antioch and began to share the good news. Now, get the picture. When the Lord gave the command in Acts 1-8 that we are to be his witnesses, we're first in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was the persecution of the church that caused the spread of the gospel. Do you not know it's not the good times that causes people to hear the word of God and for the gospel to spread? It's during the times of difficulty. It's during the time of persecution. It's during the time when God, it looks like nothing is going to work, that God does his best work. That we say his best work because it's a, it lets God have a chance to be God in our lives because we tend to back off or we just tend to say, God, I need you. And so Cyprus 
had delivered, had, had believers that went to Antioch when the persecution broke out, those that left Jerusalem only spoke to the other Jews. And so as the Lord opened the door for Peter to talk to the Greeks, we now come back around and as it says, the persecution again, the only believers were from Jerusalem were speaking to the Jewish people. It was the people from Cyprus that went to Antioch and began to talk to the Greeks and to share the good news. And word then gets back to the church in Jerusalem. And so it is in Jerusalem that Barnabas is there with the apostles. And as they hear the word, they say, Barnabas, go to Antioch and see if what we're hearing is correct. Go check it out and encourage the believers. And so Barnabas is sent. So as we see this matter and this situation and this, this, this call for Barnabas, he goes. And one of the things that the Bible says, it says, as the news reached the ears of Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas, and it says, when he arrived he, and saw the evidence of God's grace, he was, listen, glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Can you imagine having Barnabas, the, the, the man of encouragement, to be able to come and to encourage you? Now, now he goes into a place that where there's, there's still all kind of idolatry, all kind of wicked living, but there's a pocket that's happening where lives are being changed um, as the gospel could only do you, you you see it's the gospel that changes lives you see it was the lord that told that told peter that that you've got to go to caesarea it was it was the lord that that told peter you must go where i send you uh, it was the Lord that told Cornelius to send to Joppa for Peter because he has something to tell you. It was the Lord working on the other end telling Peter, Peter, the men that I've sent, they, they are downstairs. Go with them. Have no hesitation. Go with them because you must proclaim my word, my message to the people. And so it is the Lord that's working in and out and through to accomplish his work and so it's yes. God who does the work and so as this word begins to spark it's it's in in Antioch a place where all types of evil is happening but where there's a pocket of believers trust in the Lord and as that number begins to grow Barnabas does something quite interesting he goes gets a man by the name of Saul. So that word is being spread in Antioch. Barnabas leaves and he goes in search of Paul. Let me say this. Barnabas is suited for his position and calling as an encourager that's what God gifted him in I remember when I was a little boy and I told you I wanted and this is more just as a, as a tally I wanted to play the drums I wanted to play the drums I can't be that hard to play the drums Seeing other people do it, I'm launching it. I want to play the drums. So I sat there that Sunday morning, kept nudging my sister Frida. Hey, you're supposed to sing. Can I play the drums? No, no, you just need to sing. <laughs> but I want to play the drums. James wasn't there that day. He had to be somewhere. He was the drummer. I want to play the drums. I ain't never played the drums. I want to play the drums. I bugged her so much up there. That she finally says, okay. And as they stood here <laughs> facing the audience, saying, I got my happy self. 
on the drums. Happy and ready to go. As they started to sing and I started to play, there was not unity nor harmony between the two. As I played, they could not sing. <laughs> the beat just did not happen, nor was it consistent. <laughs> it became one of those times when that situation was very humbling and humiliating. And as they stood there, heads down, laughing, <laughs> trying to get a tune out, the song, by the grace of God, came to an end. And I was delivered from my misery that day. That day I told myself, self, that will never happen again. You will not do that again. You will practice. And from that day forth, that memory stuck in my mind. And I began to practice and got pretty good playing the drums. And I became the drummer then for the church. I then went to play the piano. Another situation that was not so good. I recall that Sunday morning as I learned to play this one song. At that point, the choir used to walk down the aisle, march in. Come on to the choir stand. I don't even remember who was playing the Maybe Dalvin was playing the drum. I don't remember who was playing the drum. But we lost our organist, and I could play one song in one key, and part of it. And so as my sister Robin brought the choir in, which I believe was, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I believe that was the song that was, I was playing. They didn't recognize that that was what I was playing, but that's what I was playing in my mind. <laughs> and as they got to the choir stand, standing ready to sing, they <laughs> stood there looking at Robin. Robin looking at them with me playing, I will enter in. And finally, that wonderful hand gesture that said, end of song, y'all sit down, <laughs> delivered me that day as well. But I, 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 I had practiced and, and the Lord began to work with me. Today, I, I can play a little bit, <laughs> but it took practice and the Lord uses situations that does not seem to be to our liking to help us. And when we begin to look at what God does to gift the body of Christ and to use individuals, there's training, there's work that needs to be done. And so it, it was Barnabas that went to Antioch in search of Saul. Now, 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 Barnabas could have been upset and said, no, I, 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 I've got more experience here than Paul. But it was Barnabas that went to Paul and says, Paul, I know you're gifting here. I'm searching you out. Come back. And he finds him. Now, when you look at that word, it says he searched for him. It is a very deep word because it meant that he had to go looking. There was no address for where Saul was in Antioch. He, had to, he didn't have just a location. He had to go and search. We're Saul. And so as he made that search, he found him. The Bible says he, he brought him back. Now, 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 it is believed that Saul may have been in, Antio in, in Tarsus anywhere from six months to eight years. Can you imagine possibly being in obscurity for eight years? But he wasn't in obscurity. We just didn't hear from him. But it was God's timing that had Barnabas to go and brought him back. Point number two. Did I give you point number one? Oh, if I didn't give you point number one, let me just throw that out to you. It was <laughs> the gospel spreads in Antioch. Point number two. Paul, a man for the Gentiles. 
as I mentioned, as Barnabas goes to get him, it was important because Paul had been taught by Gamaliel, a Jewish leader that, that was the top leader of the day. And Paul has got his training, and Barnabas knew it. One of the things that is so impressive about Barnabas is that Barnabas was willing to work next to Paul because he recognized that his gifting in this area was greater. And so he starts and brings him back. I also want you to note something here. The Bible says that the Christians were first called Christians in where? It was in Jerusalem where Christians were first called Christians. It was in Antioch, a pagan place. It, it, it was a place where, where there was so much hostility and anger at them. Because remember, this was a culture that was steeped in sin and wickedness. It was a place where it had become a, a place where people could travel through and, and carry on business. And it was a very prosperous place. And now there's a place here that people are being changed by this person by the name of Jesus the Lord. See, they didn't know him as the Messiah because they didn't have the, the, the Jew, the scriptures. They were Greeks. But, but here now on the scene is a change. And so out of anger, hostility, resentment, the people said, those people are Christians, Christ ones, Christ followers. The name Christians, as I mentioned before, it comes out of anger. It was a name that was meant to debase the people. It was a name that was given to degrade those that carried the name. It was not a pleasant name. Today we walk around, oh, I'm a Christian for the Lord. No, not back then. It was a name that actually was, was, was people like, ugh, you are Christian. And it was the unbelievers that gave them that term. But you know what happened? The Christians kept it. Yeah, yeah, we are Christians. Yeah, we are Christ ones. Yeah, we are followers of Christ. And that name stuck. It was in Antioch that they were first called Christians. When Paul brings, when Barnabas brings Paul back to Antioch, I want you to note something. It says, for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. When I started my job, as many people do, in fact, I'm going to use Brother Small as an example, even though I don't know all that they go through. While he may have wanted to start driving the buses, he had to go through training to, to learn how to operate the bus, what to do in case of emergency, what to do if one of the passengers slapped him. <laughs> Good luck at a passenger slapping him. He might not have kept his job. <laughs> what, what to do when a situation gets difficult? What, what do you do when a person on the bus falls out the window sleeping? That's unusual. It happened to him <laughs> driving down the street. What to do when you have a blowout? He had to go through a training, and this job provided... The training. And then it says, you are now qualified to go and, and carry passengers. We will entrust the lives of other people into your hands. When we look at the church, God has taken his precious word and has said, there are people that are either going to be in heaven or be in hell. And I have given you the responsibility to take my word to them. I've given the responsibility of you to carry it forth. Those souls that say they didn't hear, 
I will require the blood at your hand if you don't tell them my word. If you tell them and they don't hear, listen, that's on them. But if you don't, I'm going to ask you why. It was Paul and Barnabas that took seriously their calling to equip. Their gifting to help. Every believer is called to be a witness and, evangel and an evangelist to share the word of God. But it requires one to be taught, trained, one to come, one to gather. And, and Paul gathered the church and he, he for a whole year he and Barnabas met with the group. That says something. Can you imagine Greeks, Gentiles, hungering for the word of God? It, it was so powerful that, that even, even the people that were around, many of them began to be influenced because of what was happening in this situation. They started where they were and began to grow from there. Many people oftentimes there couldn't say, you know, but I just don't know. But they made themselves available. And that's what happened. They were made disciples because of their learning, their teaching, and because of what was being given to them. It was out of Antioch that we'll get to at a different place where the Lord first called Paul to be set aside by the believers in Antioch. To send out the first missionary peach preacher. Then it was the home base for Paul. Do you not know Antioch became the home base for Paul? It was one of the first controversies that was stirred up in this area. There was so much happening and God was doing the work in Antioch. I'll soon be out. Then the Bible says... In verse number 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus, stood up through the spirit and predicted that there would be a severe famine. That famine took place during the time of Claudius Caesar. And then it says that they gave help as according to their ability. Let me say this as we begin to wrap this section up. This person by the name of Agabus, as he stands to prophesy, it is interesting that as he begins to give the message, that as the people heard, they did something quite unusual to me. may not have been. Based upon them hearing that there was a famine coming, and evidently the famine had already hit Jerusalem, because the believers here, the disciples as they're called, they said, we want to take up a, a collection for the believers in Jerusalem. Now get this, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, the Greeks that were excluded, Here's about a famine about the Jewish nation or the Jewish people or the people in Jerusalem. It would have been Jewish and Greeks there more likely. But, but remember, it's primarily Jewish. The Greeks want to send an offering there because they heard the famine coming and it must have hit there. And guess what? The famine was going to also include them as well. But they did what they could. It was something that they decided themselves, we want to take something and help those in need. Here's something that's very interesting. Of all the given around the world, it is the Christians who give the most. Of all the philanthropic organizations, of all those people who have millions and billions, it is the Christians who give the most to missions, to help those in need. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that here these Christians 
and they just have come to the Lord in a short time, want to help. What does that mean? When God does a change on the inside, it is expressed on the outside by what you do. It is a matter of what God does. So when people oftentimes are looking to go after stuff first, when the Bible says, no, 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 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added, it's because when there's a change on the inside of the heart, it will flow out on the outside. What these believers did here in Antioch showed that there was a change, and they became concerned for the brothers and sisters in their faith that was suffering. That's what body ministry is all about. And even though they were going to be hit hard as well, it was the church in Jerusalem that now needed the help. And then think about this as well. It was the church in Jerusalem, the, the mother church, that gave them their spiritual birth. And out of also, I believe, just out of just joy and happiness and showing that to say thank you, they were more than willing to do this. Today, California is in a drought. Back east in the Midwest is in severe weather storms. Throughout the history of the Bible, God has always, and I should say oftentimes, used the weather patterns to deal with the matter of sin in the nation. Now, I said on Wednesday, this is just my belief. I believe that this drought is part of the judgment of God. I know that there's times when we have drought and it happens, but, but when I look at sin in the nation and I, and I see what's happening and I look at God's word and when I see throughout history and what God did with the kings and when he said in Deuteronomy and, and then when he said that, that he would send the rain at the right time when people honored him and all the things that God gives, there are, there are times when God has to use the circumstances and the and the events of this life to get our attention there are times when people are looking for something miraculous to say oh yes must be God because it is out of the ordinary no God uses the elements he uses what he's made to help speak his word if the element if we can look at the sun and the moon the trees and give and they and they give honor and glory to God how come God can't use that to also show his divine displeasure. I believe that today still in this life that we live that God judges us based on the atmosphere and things that happen in the world. This drought, this beautiful weather that we are enjoying now has people concerned. Has people wondering what are we going to do? Today there should not be a famine in our lives. But if there is a famine in our lives, which sometimes happens, we need to go to the word of God. Amen. Whenever you're hungry, you go to the kitchen, you open the refrigerator. You might go to your cookie jar if you need a quick sugar fix. <laughs> but you know what you need to do to quench or to satisfy that hunger. When there's a spiritual drought in our lives, it is only the word that can bring life. Just because the world does not recognize the power of the almighty God does not mean that God is not in charge. God will use whatever he needs to use to get people's attention. And so today, when we consider the elements and we look out and say, God, when will the rain come? When will the rain come, Lord, in my life? Yes, yes. When, Lord, will you do a work? And God says, when you began to seek me and search for me with all of your heart, God can only be the one to satisfy 
I tell you when my heart gets heavy and I'm down, you know what I do? I just, Lord, I sometimes can't, I just got to, Lord, just go be in the presence of God. Sometimes can't even read, can't even really just pray, but just to sit in the presence of the almighty God. Sometimes when words can't express what's happening on the inside, just being in the presence of God. God begins to then, then to do a work. I believe that this nation this is overripe for judgment. God does have the final word. And when I look at the times, the question is, what are people still waiting for? I think at times the church worldwide tends to not see. Lives are being affected. Death is occurring. Things are happening. And yet, people carry on as if their lives will never come to an end. When God speaks, do we hear? Do we listen? How incredible to have the Gentiles hear the word of God, graft them in. God grafts us in. He, he called us a people that was going a different way unto himself and brought us in and says, I've given you life. I've given you my word. Today it is a word that will satisfy. It is a word that will heal. Only the word of God. And even if the world says no to God, may the church always say yes to the glorious and mighty will of the king. Is there a famine in your life? Only God can satisfy. If there's a famine in the word, reading the word, only the word of God can satisfy. If, if, you've been, if you've been challenged, only the word can satisfy. God honors his word. Today, I'm going to begin, I guess I'm just thinking, Lord, I've been, I'm just going to confess this. I've been having a hard time just saying, oh, God, just send the rain. I, I've been kind of praying reservedly, Lord, get the people's attention in this yeah, world. Yeah. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Amen. But I'm going to begin to pray. But, I, but that's kind of, I said, Lord, what do people need to see to yeah. know that, God, you mean business? Yeah. We need rain, yes. But I've been torn in my spirit. Lord, what will it take to get the world to see and turn to the Savior? Today, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful privilege of your word. And when we consider that it was persecution that calls the church to spread the word of God and to grow. It wasn't when things were going well. It was the persecution. It, it, it was those followers of Christ in, in Antioch that were being changed that were called Christians. It was Barnabas and Paul working and teaching and helping those individuals and, and people coming to the Lord. It was the word of God that brought the change. Today we pray that in our lives there will be such a deep hunger for the word of God. May the shackles fall off. May, may, may all the, the negative things that have been cloaked around us be replaced by the word of God. Where there's been a stagnant spirit in the lives of people, may it be shaken off with 
the Word of God. Where people are looking for answers, may we give them the Word of God. Where people are hungering for something, may we give them the Savior, the bread of life. May we present to them the Lord that saves, who's the Savior, the King, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord of all. We honor you today. We praise you today that we have the great and mighty King. Give your name the praise. We love you. We honor you. We bless you for who you are, the great and the mighty God, the Savior who loves his people, we thank you today. Be honored in this place today. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Thank you, Willis. And Shirley, would you come up, please? Ah, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. Bless the Lord. 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 Nelson Willis and Shirley have you know, been coming in. And, you know, and, and, and it's really good just to say, let's make this official. I just want to thank you and tell you how much that I love you and, and thank God for what you're doing, what God is doing in your life. You're, you're an encouragement to me. When I see you driving down the road, it's just, you know, saying, hey, Pastor, just waving. It, it does something to me. And seeing the both of you, it just really does. So I drove by your place today and I was coming to the church, as I go through and pray, I saw your car, saw your wife's car parked there, and I was just, ah, this is the day today. And so I just wanted you to know. So we want to thank the Lord. So let's just stand, and this will be our closing, and we can come around and say, God bless and welcome. Yes.